Hello, my name is Mike McMillan. I'm a counsel in the data team here at Bristow's and I'm here with a colleague, Charlie Hall, to talk about some of the comments in Bristow's data protection top 10, which you can find on our website. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the United States and how they approach data protection law and child online protection laws within Europe. So, Charlie, would you say that privacy is well protected in the US? Well, the starting point is that there is no comprehensive federal or national privacy law in the US. This may come as a surprise to some listeners, given that we've had EU-wide privacy legislation for 25 years, and many other countries around the world have introduced national privacy laws over that time. Instead, the US has something of a smorgasbord of privacy legislation at federal and state level. These tend to be laws aimed either at addressing very specific privacy issues, like direct marketing, or covering certain sectors, like telecommunications or healthcare. Two of the best known examples of federal sectoral legislation are the Health Insurance and Accountability Act of 1996, or HIPAA as it's generally known, which protects sensitive data of medical patients and applies to healthcare providers and other parties in the healthcare space, and the gram leach Lilly Act of 1999, which regulates the use of personal information by financial institutions. It's also the case that the Federal Trade Commission has used the consumer protection powers that it has under the Federal Trade Commission Act to enforce that act's prohibition on unfair and deceptive practices. This gives the FTC the ability to hold US companies to account for various kinds of privacy and data security related breaches. This is how the FTC was able to find Facebook 5 billion US dollars in 2019 for deceptive privacy practices. So although there is privacy law in the United States, it is fair to say that US consumers benefit from far fewer privacy rights and protections than EU citizens do under the GDPR. The lack of a federal privacy law seems increasingly anachronistic. So is that changing? Yes, at a state level, California blazed a trail in 2018 with the California Consumer Privacy Act, or CCPA, which gives fairly broad privacy rights to residents of California. This has been followed by a surge of legislative initiatives across the US. During 2019, over 150 privacy bills were introduced in 25 US states, and at least 11 draft legislative proposals were introduced in Congress. For example, New York's Privacy Act would, if passed, have the potential to be stricter than, than the CCPA. Notably, it includes the concept of a duty of care owed to a consumer by an entity that uses their data and provides for a private right of action. Washington's Privacy Act is another comprehensive bill and is modelled on the GDPR. Legislators in New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Virginia, Nebraska and Illinois have also all introduced similarly extensive privacy bills over the last 18 months. But so far, none of these have reached the statute books, with many of them failing to survive the legislative process or being effectively deprioritised as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. What about at the federal level? Well, right now is actually quite an exciting time. Uh, momentum for a comprehensive federal US law has been building for a while, and there have been a number of legislative proposals in circulation. 
In November 2019, the Democratic Senator Maria Cantwell introduced a draft bill for the Consumer Online Privacy Rights Act, or COPRA. And in September 2020, in fact, just one week before the date of this recording, the Republican Senator Roger Wicker unveiled the Setting an American Framework to Ensure Data Access, Transparency and, and Accountability Act, or Safe Data Act. These two draft laws have a surprising amount in common, but Republicans and Democrats are still divided over two issues in particular. Firstly, whether a federal law should supersede state law, as the Democrats fear a weak national law would prevent states from creating stronger or more innovative laws. And secondly, whether individuals should be given a statutory right of action to privacy claims, which is a non-starter for Republicans. Senator Wicker and Senator Cantwell are respectively the chair and ranking member of the Senate Commerce Committee, which has responsibility for data privacy matters and is a forum where we may see their differences ironed out over the coming months. For those of us practicing data protection law, the prospect of a US national law is an extraordinary development and certainly we at Bristow will be keeping a close eye on how things pan out. Mm. It's interesting that the difference in approaches, because although the US is perceived as having lagging behind in national privacy law, one of the areas where they have a very different approach is in the field of children's privacy, where they've had the Federal Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, which has been in force since the year 2000, whereas within the EU, until the general data protection regulation we had no specific rules at all relating to protecting children's personal data and how has the gdpr changed things well it still doesn't say much about children there are some general recitals saying things like children merit specific protection with regard to their personal data but beyond saying that children can't give valid consent to collection of their data online, um, the GDPR doesn't say much about what those protections should be. So compared with the American experience of COPPA, which is very prescriptive, um, controllers have still felt that there's, there's quite a gap around guidance on what they should be doing in, in the space of children's data. Uh, which is why in, in the UK, I think it's quite a welcome development for companies that the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office, has now brought out uh, the Age Appropriate Design Code, which is aimed at companies uh, who provide information society services, which are likely to be accessed by children. And the code came into force on the 2nd of September this year, but there's a 12-month transitional period. So the deadline for bringing products into compliance with the code is the 2nd of September next year. And the code is aimed at um, information society services which are likely to be accessed by children. So that's broader than just whether you're aiming your product at children. You have to make an assessment of whether they might use it anyway. And beyond that, the goal is to set out standards of age-appropriate design. And there are 15 headline standards, 
and the, the first, which is the most important, is that the best interests of the child should be a primary consideration when designing and developing online services which your children are likely to access. And there are other standards which cover transparency, geolocation, parental controls, nudge techniques. So it's, it's certainly a, a laudable enterprise, but we have to wait and see how helpful it really is in practice, because a lot of it is limited to broad statements. For example, it says that when you're identifying and assessing risks, you should bear in mind children's needs and maturity will differ according to their age and development stage. And I think you know, people writing code or system engineers are likely to be quite frustrated in a way with those sorts of broad general statements when they're used to something quite prescriptive. But I suppose from the ICO perspective, they're looking to leave developers room to assess how they can make these principles work in practice for the, the products they're developing. And so I think that if you're a privacy professional, you might not find anything particularly new in there because a lot of it are statements of things that you knew already, such as the fact that only the minimum amount of personal data should be collected and retained. But if you're a developer who's not used to dealing with privacy full time, I think it may create um, a context for you in which to start designing and, and developing products. Thanks, Max. So lots to think about there, uh, particularly uh, for uh, for developers. Um, so that wraps up um, uh, the podcast uh, on this particular topic. Um, thank you very much, Mac McMillan. Um, thank you, uh, audience, for listening. Um, do check out our other uh, podcast episodes. Um, don't forget to download the Data Protection Top 10 if you haven't already, and do call us for any advice on these topics. Thanks so much. Have a great day.